welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. This is the subject today, your destiny. Because um, I usually do this talk once you get back from your mission trip, but you're somehow or other you want to arrange a day off. You get back off your mission and you want a day off, and that was the day I would normally speak of. So <laughs> I'm letting you have the day off. So I'll talk now about your destiny. But I want to start with a bit of a reminder. Somehow that I felt this morning just to remind you about the spirit and the flesh. Because um, to me it's very important when you go to work that you understand that you're always in the spirit. Always. And the danger is that you fall, that we fall into a thinking that you know, you get to work and it's busy. I mean, your job being a midwife, it must be incredibly busy. You know, all the babies coming in, mothers coming in, babies being born, all time, all hours of the day. And you can spend a week at work and think, oh gosh, I've not even thought about Jesus. And the danger is that at that point, a lie comes in, which is, so you're in the flesh, I'm not really in the spirit. Uh, and... We can find all sorts of scriptures that seem to reinforce that. And we're going to read one from Galatians. Because uh, I, I find, I used to get very confused with this. And I think a lot of it is because of the teaching that we lived with, really. Um, and I've changed my teaching on it substantially. Anyway, I'm going to read from um, Galatians chapter 5 and starting at verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, adultery, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, hearsays, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are our Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, you can read this passage in Galatians and feel that there is a, a war going on between the flesh and the Spirit. And I suppose the teaching I grew up with was that I gave my life to Jesus and therefore in a spiritual realm somewhere I became born again and a new creation but so just stand up so you can see so I give my life to Jesus I am now born again in this spiritual realm born again but over here there's something called the old man and he didn't really die he just lurked around and the old man had a real tendency to want to do nasty stuff over here, I'm a spiritual man. Love you, Jesus. Over here, I'm a nasty old man, full of the flesh and all the terrible things of the flesh. 
and that these two things would war against each other. And my job as a Christian was to stamp that thing down, <laughs> stamp on it, and never let it rise up again, and resist it, terribly resist it, because it's awful. And so my salvation became what Jesus did and what I did. So I was doing the two things. I was believing in Jesus and I was also trying to subdue the terrible old man. And I found that actually I couldn't subdue it. It just seemed to have a life of its own. And you can then find other scriptures like that. Paul says, the good that I would do I don't do and that which I... Um, don't want to do, I do. Romans 7 says it in the Galatians. And it used to oh, frustrate me, particularly when you go to work and you would hear talks or sermons that, you know, at work focus on Jesus all the time. And although it was a very good aspiration, when you're working in, a, as I was, a FTSE 100 company, busy um, uh, very difficult negotiating meetings with contractors etc your brain was fully active in trying to resolve issues of management and design etc and it wasn't my brain didn't have seem to have this opportunity to go oh jesus i love you in the middle of this you know management meeting and the feeling of never being successful in my christian life was real because it was just like i couldn't kill this thing over here until the revelation hit me when Paul said I have been crucified with Christ so how real is that crucifixion to me it's very real now I know that old man died I'm no longer trying to do anything with it Jesus did it all and as my belief became oh yes it's done so I find I walk in the spirit because you can focus on Galatians 5 with all of that nasty stuff and you miss verse 24 and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and his eyes Paul said I have been crucified so it's no longer was this um, I must do something with that thing over there in fact Jesus had done it all. Now, it's intriguing, I think, how the Holy Spirit leads us. Because even as a young Christian, somehow or other, I knew that that was true. And I, I'll give you a personal example. Um, when I started working as a graduate um, civil engineer in my company, um, I, had a, I was in a great team, really enjoyed working with them. And one of the guys had lots of pornographic material in his desk at work. And as a young man, I was incredibly drawn to it. And it was like it had a hold on me that was just, oh, I can't stop it. I used to do things like, um, I'll volunteer for overtime, please. Why did I, I wasn't get the money. It was so I could be on my own, so I could go to the pornographic material. And it was big draw. And I remember the, the day in um, June Rich's front room. There was, I don't know, 10, 20 people there. And I just 
said, look, I can't defeat this thing. I've tried to kill that man there. I've tried to kill the old man, and he just is too strong. I am addicted to pornographic material, I know I am, and I can't get away from it. So they prayed for me. It was wonderful. But the, the, there's like a word of wisdom comes, which was, praise God in every circumstance. So, next time I'm at work, this desire goes to get the magazine out. Yeah, went and did it. But I started to go, oh, I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. You've done everything for me. I thank you for this woman. I thank you that she looks gorgeous. I thank you that I'm attracted to it. I thank you that I'm in the middle of my sin. I just praise you that I'm sinning here right now. But I do love you, Jesus. Within two days, it was broken. And I was free. Because my focus was not on trying to kill him. But my focus was upon Jesus. And I was living according to the Spirit. Now, of course, as I've grown in my maturity and understanding of Jesus, I recognize this all the time, that if my focus is upon you, Jesus, and what you have done, and I declare it over my life, I live in it rather than trying to defeat this thing over here. Mm. Now, why am I starting with this? I'm starting with it because you're all going to go back to work of some kind, whether it's looking after your children, whether it's uh, being a midwife and bringing new children into the world. Uh, I'm not sure what job you'll be doing, but whatever one you do. (laughs) You know, um, you are a spiritual being. You live in a spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm includes your work. And I'm trying to encourage you Stop yourself from falling into the trap which is, oh, I've never thought about Jesus today. Therefore, I can't be in the spirit, can I? I must be in the flesh. I must try and do something different to be more spiritual. You can't do anything to be more spiritual. Once you let that realisation hit you, then you find yourself being more spiritual. It's an odd, odd variation. Your brain changes, your mind changes, and you find yourself enjoying the presence of God with you. So I want to talk to you about your destiny because uh, students who come on the school uh, towards the end are always going, what am I going to do next? What does God want me to do? Where am I going to go? What's it, what does he want of me? And I want to try and unpack that because so much of that tension actually is a bit of a resistance to what God wants to do. Okay, so your destiny. Some of you might eventually be full-time working for the church. You might be. But the truth is, the day that you gave your life to Jesus, whether it was a conscious act (coughs) or whether you've grown up in a Christian family, you were full-time for Jesus in whatever you do. Whatever, whether it's being a mum looking after your kids, it is full time for Jesus. Or whether it's bringing new kids into the world, it's full time for Jesus. Or whether it's sat at home thinking about what you should do, it's full time for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, your employer may not be the church, but you're still full time. Many students want to work for the church. Somehow they see it as being the pinnacle. Uh, I've done both. Uh, 
it's okay. <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is some people, like Timo or Andy and Sharon, certainly, that's what they're doing. They're working full-time in the church. There's not many people who do it. There's not many church jobs that go around that pays you a salary, etc. Um, most of us volunteer. Most of us do it because we love the family that we're part of, you know. Um, but reinforcing it again, whatever you do, you're full-time for Jesus. We used to separate our lives, you know, the spiritual and the secular. Oh, that's nonsense. Heidi Baker has this phrase, whatever you do, it's holy, holy, holy. Whether I'm cleaning the floor, it's holy, holy, holy. Cleaning up, uh, you know, changing my baby's nappy, it's holy, holy, holy. Whether I'm working at FTSE 100 company, it's holy, holy, holy. Whether I'm uh, cutting the grass, it's holy, holy, holy. Whether I'm walking down to the shops, it's holy, holy, holy. What she meant was every part of your life, every minute, every day, hand it over to the one who's your king. You're living in that holy life. You're called to make him known, to make known his love in whatever venue you find yourself in, whether it's the school, mums and tots, work, cafe, neighbours, hotel, because you want to go and have a pedicure. You're called to make the kingdom known. He has called you. You haven't got to wait for calling. He's already done it. You know, the day you gave your life to Jesus, you signed up to the call. He said, go into all the world, make disciples. There we go. That's your definition of your life from now on in. Raise the dead, heal the sick, preach the gospel, reveal love to people. That's your mission. All right? And you get a chance of seeing his kingdom come, just like you did with Barbara. You've got a chance to see the kingdom evident around you. You get the chance to see the kingdom come in the jobs that you're doing. And I'll talk a bit more about that later on from my own point of view. And we had a prophecy many years ago. And the prophecies was that there was um, autumn leaves, all dry, brown, spread around. And then a wind came. And that wind we knew was the Holy Spirit. And it started to blow on the autumn leaves. And these leaves represented people's lives and this like whirlwind of life flowing from the Holy Spirit came and the leaves were in that whirlwind but as they were in it they became supple they became alive again there was lots of energy now in these leaves they were no longer dead autumn leaves but they were full of life as the Holy Spirit had come on them and then at a certain time it was like the Holy Spirit blew again and the leaves went out and wherever the leaves fell in Europe and in this country flames just burst up the flame of revival and you're part of that you are part of this prophetic word that the Lord gave us whether it's in Warrington or whether it's in Germany it's that same thing has happened life has come to you and wherever you fall now Fire is going to come. All right? Fire on Germany, fire on Warrington, wherever you are, fire is going to come. Um, and 
as I said much earlier on in these, uh, these teachings, there is always an open heaven over us. You're not trying to create an open heaven. Jesus, if you remember, um, being baptized, heaven opens, the dove comes down, Father says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Heaven never closed. You can't find it. You can't find it anymore in the New Testament where everyone closed, sorry, can't get any more. You can read in Revelation where, you know, it, it's like he's called up into something. And people give an interpretation, oh, well, that's because that's he's opened up a portal. No, I don't really <laughs> go with that. Heaven opened. I do understand that there are times when revelation comes to individuals so that they have, it's like they've something's opened up in heaven and they get that revelation, right? And that's how I see it, really. That's what was happening there in uh, um, that revelation story. You know, heaven will appear to open up and give more revelation to us. So our point is to believe what Jesus has said and done and to act on it. And that's all we're encouraged to do. And so I want to talk about a young peasant lady. Um, uh, okay. That would be in an agricultural setting, uh, a person who doesn't really have much money uh, is not very significant person um, is maybe unknown um, they're just making ends meet if you like peasant um, and of course in this situation it's Mary that we're talking about because she becomes central in God's plans and I find that God uh, he knows each of you completely he says it he knows the hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. Uh, so he's got he knows exactly what you're like, what your giftings are, what your feelings are, what your emotions are. He knows you. And he knew Mary. And heaven stepped out of heaven into earth. And from that moment on, God has been doing the same. What happened? Mary becomes pregnant with Jesus, Son of God. Heaven steps out of heaven to earth. And from that point on, that's what's been happening. We try so often to get people from earth into heaven, mm. but what God's doing, he wants heaven on earth. That's what we pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So our approach then with the the destiny of God that's upon our life is I'm being a conduit for God to bring all of heaven to earth now just think of it it's not just in salvation it's not just in healings but it's in wisdom it's in insight it's in revelation about how to do your work how to bring babies into earth better how to bring up your kids revelations on how to enable them to grow in an understanding of God it's coming from heaven to earth okay uh, and we've got to get in line with it 
because so often we're trying to do it the opposite way round, and yet it seems to me that it's what God wants. He wants heaven on earth. Um, he wants you to become the means of heaven coming to earth. The Holy Spirit living in us is God's plan for getting heaven out of heaven to earth. And that's why I talk so much about the Holy Spirit, because I feel it's God's plan. Holy Spirit was given to us so that we could do the stuff Jesus did. Do the stuff that's, you know, Jesus said, and you'll do greater works than these, because I go to the Father. You are living in the realm of greater works. To me, it's much, much broader than just, how do I get a word of knowledge? How do I pray for somebody to be healed? All those are fantastically wonderful but the whole thing is bigger um, I, I, there's a story from Chris Vallotton I just love to share because I, I feel it just might help you see how I feel it's bigger um, he had many uh, he was a businessman um, car repair work that sort of thing um, and he had an old computer system that was uh, struggling so it, I think it probably had two levels of um, uh, financial things on it and he needed it to have four. And he went to the IT experts and said, can you upgrade my software so we can do these four levels? And they said, no, on that age of software, you can't do it, I'm afraid. So your choice is whole new computer system, live with just two levels, um, but you haven't got any way of making this four. So for him, you know, a child of God, I mean, he knows the provision. God could provide all the money to buy a whole new computer system and in him there was just trust that his father would do something for this business that he was in he wasn't in full time work then in terms of church work but he was in full time work for God he goes to bed in the middle of the night he wakes up and he sees a row of numbers and he knows that those rows of numbers are to do with his computer. So he says to his, wakes his wife up, says, come with me. So they have to go down to the um, car repair showroom. He says, put these numbers in the computer. Oh, why am I doing this? Just put them in. So she puts the numbers in. At the end of putting all the numbers in, they had four levels of financial things in the computer. It's well good, isn't it? Well good. God has a myriad ways of doing, providing provision. But I'm, I'm just trying to say that's why I feel like the kingdom of heaven coming to earth, it's bigger than just a few little, what we call spiritual things. It just encompasses everything. Um, I, I also feel that God doesn't have a permissive will for you and his perfect will so there's a sort of teaching that comes which is God has a will for all of our lives and our job is to find it and if you miss it then there's a permissive will for you to walk in but it's not the best and to me it's like upside down thinking this it's like I can't even wonder how on earth we ever got to that understanding but I, gosh, I've grown up with this. Well, I must be walking in the permissive will of God then. 
because I'm certainly not in the right will of God. Am I? And what thinking, what does that do in your thinking? It, it defeats you because all of a sudden, well, is the job, you know, I'm working in Costa Coffee. Is that just the permissive will of God then? Because it's not the best jobs, is it? I mean, I would have liked to have worked in Nero's. They're better than Costa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something daft like that. And I'm all of a sudden, I'm in this. I must be in the permissive will. Nonsense. You are a child of God. You are a son and daughter. You are loved by the king. He loves you. He knows everything about you. He is in you're securely in his hand. Um what's his name? Um Bill Johnson's wife, Benny Johnson. Um got really angry with God at one point this story is, I find really encouraging she got really angry with God because she felt there was a lot of new age stuff coming into her town in Reading and she didn't like any of that and she said God you know, are you not interested I'm praying that you do something here and it's just getting more and more are you not listening you're not involved where are you God you know that sort of expression and she said in that moment of being feeling angry and frustrated with God she has a vision and in the vision she can see Jesus walking alongside her and she's walking along with Jesus and she, she's in the vision she's talking to him about all these problems in Reading right just talking to him about all the problems and he seems to be a bit oblivious to everything and she can't understand it in this vision. She can't understand why he's not taking any notice, any notice of the prayer, any notice. And then her eyes look and she sees that he's carrying something in his hand. And as she looks again, she discovers he's carrying the world in his hand. And he looks at her and he says, Pray from victory, not to victory. Do you get what that means? It means that Jesus has done it. And you're praying from that victory, not trying to get victory. Do you, do you see how it changes the way you think? Because all of a sudden now, of course you're in control. Of course you're in, Oh gosh, of course you know everything that's going on, Jesus. You're carrying it. You know, they love us so much, you're carrying it. So... I don't think that there is this perfect and permissive will. I think what's in you, what God has put in you, is his will. You find it. You find it when you're, you're looking at yourself and saying, you know, this, I just, this is what I enjoy doing. You know, I, this is where I am. And, you know, you, you find yourself in any type of job, it'll go through um, good days, and you think it's a brilliant job and even bringing babies into the world there must be days when you're feeling like it's hard going this <laughs> you know when the uh, bureaucracy of the hospital and all of that goes on but in it he's carrying it in his hand and you have been given this wonderful privilege of bringing heaven to earth via the one who holds it in his hand so that when you're in your job, 
you see it from that perspective that I'm in his will here and he wants to bring all of the kingdom into this job that I'm doing I'm going to talk to you a bit more about that uh, in, a, in a minute as we go on okay let's move on so anyway Mary let's look a bit more focused on Mary so the angel is going to comes to Mary in Luke 1 verse 26 and says you're going to get pregnant and I want you to call him Jesus summarizing it and Mary's response to the angel you know is one which probably all of us would have which is how is that going to happen then <laughs> you know, it's like beyond what I can imagine or think isn't, isn't that what God says I can do things you know beyond what you imagine and think anyway that's what he's going to do you're going to have Jesus and your response as your destiny ex- explodes in front of you will often be how how am I going to do this you two have got some really lovely visions of what you want to do with an open home now practically yeah, you can open your home it's easy but I think you've caught something of what God wants in terms of relationships and family that is real and you have an opportunity to run with that and so it's there's a big how how are we going to do this Mm -hmm. because what you're wanting is heaven to come down into it you don't want it just to be an open house where people can have some coffee and a tea it's nice but you want something else that's touching it Mm. right and that vision that's being placed in you that you're hungering after remember you're talking about a big farm or whatever no we don't quite know how that's going to work out yet but there's something in your hearts that's beginning to grow right a bit like mary you know maybe you haven't had the angel come to you but you might have had prophetic words or you might have had you know that voice that still small voice from god speaking to you saying i want you to do this you might have had prophecies while you're on our destiny which are like stretching you and our response is how and if you've ever seen that small corner of your destiny, you just get, oh, surely not God. <laughs> because he really takes you to places that are like beyond you. I, I know after some 62, so 40 odd years of being with him, I just know that he takes you to places where you feel like, oh, do you really mean it? Anyway, um, you know, you you look at yourself and you go, God, you must have forgot something here because you're saying that of me, but surely, <laughs> I mean, you realised all of this. You know, that's how you feel at times. Um, but let's just think about June. So June Richards, you, um, you got to know her a bit more the, the other day. Uh, I mean, she had that calling to bring Deborah Rise um, many, many years ago. And let's just focus on that because it's a similar sort of thing that happens um, June's primary gifting is apostolic so she'll get an insight from God and is able to bring that into being Sharon's very similar she, 
she's able to make something happen. You know, she puts the pieces together and it functions. Um, and June's primary function was that apostolic. And so if you look back, if you could go back all over her life, you'll see time and time again something starts. And lots of us, like myself, are drawn into what she starts. And that's, that's the way church works. So, you know, you, you look for that apostolic gifting that's bringing that direction and leadership, and the rest of us join in with the body, you know, how we function. So June, Deborah, she goes to Brazil, she's invited out there, um, and she has a prophetic encounter where she's told to raise an army. So there's two years when she comes back going, raise an army to do what? Raise an army, what's that mean? I don't know what it means to, and you know, God spoke, but what army? How am I going to do an army? I am going to an army. You know, all of that inactivity and confusion and heaven seemed not to say anything for two years. <coughs> um, she goes back to Brazil again two years later and there she sees women praying for young people and she catches it that's the army somehow or other I'm to raise up women to pray for young people comes back, does research but there's still a year of inactivity and feeling of frustration of God you know you raised, asked me to raise an army, you've given me this revelation, women, I don't know how to do it and uh, you know, we're talking about three years now since that prophetic encounter um, and then in the end she decides that she will make a leaflet and send it out to people and that was the start of Deborah Rise it started, it was like Deborah Rise UK then it became Deborah Rise Europe then it became Deborah Rise Worldwide <laughs> because it just has gone now she's gone around the world and as I said you know, this apostolic gifting could you imagine walking into a country that you don't know let's say you two I'm going to send you to Australia and you're going to go there and you'll have a week in Australia and at the end of that week you will have established a ministry in Australia that is continuing today, ten years later. It's like only God can do that. And it's happened in every country. She goes, oh look, you're the lady. And all of a sudden this ministry of praying for the youth just comes because she really believes there's a worldwide revival of youth I see it here in my destiny every time we may not have the hundreds of reading oh gosh but I see it in you all you are running with what God is doing you're going to go back and be a flame in your town, in your work in your place that is the revival that June has been praying for. But did you see how long it took for the like the prophetic revelation through to the activity? <coughs> and I want you to try and remember that because you'll have had prophetic words that uh, may not be functioning at the moment. That doesn't mean that they didn't start. I learned this. 
I, you know, I have a prophetic word over me, which is I am going to see creative miracles. Fantastic. I haven't seen one yet. Does that mean it didn't start? Was wrong? No. I'm in it. And it's coming. Do you get what I mean? And my attitude is I'm in it and it's coming. Okay, God? Thank you. And that's how to grab hold of your prophetic words. See them as alive in you, not as something waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. They are alive. So nurture them. That's what June did. She nurtured it. So Mary's had her... You're going to have a baby. She's had her responses. How? And the angel's response is the answer to all of us and all of our destinies. So the angel said to her in Luke 1, verse 35 to 37, in the answer to how, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Ah, here is the answer. Verse 37, it says, with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, whilst that is a correct statement, it's a mistranslation, actually. Because what's in the original says, the actual accurate translation is, no word from God shall be without the ability to release ability. So he speaks to you in a prophetic word. What does that prophetic word contain? The ability. No word from God shall... No word from God shall be without the ability to release abilities what was the original um, nothing will be impossible verse 37 all right okay so the angel says to mary wow, that's you can have a baby called jesus she says how holy spirit will overshadow you because the word that god's speaking over you contains within it the ability for you to do the impossible. <gasps> now this becomes life for us because God's speaking over you or in giving impressions to you about what he's wanting, what, the, the destiny in your life. And most of it is out there. It's like beyond you. But contained within the word of God is the ability to do what he wants to do. It's the definition of grace. It's the definition of grace. Grace, you know, the empowering this definition of grace, the empowering presence that enable us to be all and do all that God wants us to be and do. <laughs> ah, wonderful. So whether you're a Heidi Baker and he wants you to win Mozambique, it contains within the word over her the ability to do everything. Or whether you're a mum bringing up two kids, it contains within it everything necessary to bring up two kids they are there's no differentiation well that one's a better one than this one it's no we're living in a life of kingdom with God you know and he's concerned about everything with us and as I'm saying within church life prophetic words come and people join in with them the school is an example I am not apostolic I am prophetic. So I go, God's given me a prophetic word. We're to start a school. As soon as I say it, I'm going, that's a nonsense idea. 
Nobody want to come. Why would anybody want to come to us? It's not like we're written books or go around the world. Nobody goes around the world speaking. June goes off to a few ladies, but that's it. Nobody goes anywhere else. You made it sound a bit. I know I did. I'm purposely doing that. Um, and that was like my thinking. Now, what happens? Apostolic gift, sharing. It's got on this. There's a word given. It's got within it the ability to do what is. Tima, don't you have a prophetic word that you're going to start a school? Yes, I do. Well, do things come together? Okay, start our destiny then. So Timo has this pioneering gifting in it, which really means, you know, when there's nothing on the ground, you just start it and it happens. It's a bit like apostolic, really. <coughs> so we start our destiny. And we make a lovely website and we put the information out there. So it's like nobody knows us. We're not known anywhere. A guy called Tom comes to a conference and we're giving prophetic words. And he sat there and I'm giving a prophetic word to him. I switched the machine off and said, Holy Spirit says you should come to our school. And he says, yeah, I think I should. Mm-hmm. And he was the first person who came on the school. So, and, and you see this happening in church life. Be in churches where it's happening. Because if not, you'll just... It's like frustrating because it's not taking place and you'll get frustrated with it. But when it's happening, oh gosh, all of a sudden your your own giftings, your own abilities just grow because you get drawn into what God's doing. Okay? So Mary, angel says, Holy Spirit will overshadow you. God's word within you contains the ability to release the ability. Okay? Uh, so Mary's on the verge of her miracle now. She hasn't quite had it yet. She's on the verge of it. She's not pregnant. And so you can ask how, as she did. You can even ask why. But do try not to answer with doubt. Because Zacharias answered with doubt and in Luke verse 18 he was made dumb for a period because he couldn't do you get what I mean a word of life has been spoken doubt speaks the opposite and takes away the life and the power because people start to oh yeah you see it's not impossible that I mean she's not going to be with her husband is she in fact she hasn't got a husband Therefore, she's going to be ostracised by the community. It's not going to be right, is it? And doubt would speak. It's not possible. God doesn't do this. And all of a sudden, everybody's belief just dwindles. Try not to speak with doubt. Okay? So Mary's on the verge of a miracle. So let's just summarise it. Initiation was, hello, Mary. Response, fear. Who are you, angel? Right? Initiation, you're going to be pregnant with Jesus. How is that going to happen? Holy Spirit, uh, the angel says, Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. What's all this about being filled with the Spirit? He comes, fills our life, he overshadows us. 
The response is, let it be according to your word. Result? See how she positioned herself in line with the word. You've spoken. I believe it. Let it be according to you. I don't know how it's going to work. You've just told me the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow me. She has no concept of what that means. It's not like we can look at back in church history and see what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is like, right? Mm. You can talk to me and I can tell you how to speak in tongues because I know about it, right? She had no concept. It's just, Holy Spirit's going to shadow you. Let it be according to your word. And as soon as that happens, she's pregnant. Now, with no time frame, Mary goes off to visit Elizabeth with no outward sign, presumably, of her pregnancy. She walks into the company of Elizabeth, who then is overwhelmed. She's carrying, of course, um, John the Baptist. And she's overwhelmed by the Spirit. John the Baptist leaps inside her womb, and she prophesies the mother of my Lord. As you walk, in your destiny you will have multiple confirmations about you're going right in the right way you're doing the right thing multiple like for june it must have been so encouraging to walk into france to germany to uh, australia to canada to north america uh, to brazil walk in and see within a few days women pick up this vision and run with it multiple confirmations that she's walking in her destiny okay so um, how do we keep walking in this destiny then that's the next sort of question how do we keep moving with it on the night of Jesus' birth in Luke 2 verse 19 it says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Thank you for listening to the Our Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.